Good morning, Hare Krishna. Suprabhatam. Suprabhatam. If we don't like to say good morning, because it's a lecture language, we can say suprabhatam in Sanskrit. Good morning in Sanskrit. Suprabhatam. Suprabhatam. Okay. 17. Okay. Hmm. Nama Om Vishnupadaya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale Srimate Bhaktivedanta Swamin Itinamine Namaste Saraswati Devi Gauravani Pracharine Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Paschatyadeshatarine Vanchakapatarubhyascha Kripa Sindhubya Evacha Patitanam Pavanevyo Vaishnavevyo Namo Namaha He Krishna Karuna Sindhu Dinabandhu Jagatpate Gopesha Gopika Ghanta Radha Ghanta Namostute Tapta Kanchana Gorangi Radhe Vrindavan Eshvari Vrishabhanu Sude Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Jaya Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadhara Srivasari Gauravakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare 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 Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Narayanam Namaskritya Naram Chaiva Narottamam Deving Saraswating Vyasam Tato Jayamudi Raye Nashta Prayeshavadreshu Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya 
भागवती उत्तमा श्लोके Today we're reading from Sriman Bhagavatam, Canto 3, Chapter 4, Vidura Approaches Maitreya, Text 17. This is uh, Uddhava speaking to Vidura, but in his speaking to Vidura, he's offering prayers to the Lord. Mantre shumam va upahuya yatam. Mantre shumam va upahuya yatam. Akuntita kanda sadatma bodha. Akuntita kanda sadatma bodha. Priche prabho mukta iva pramattas. Priche prabho mukta iva pramattas. Tanno mano mohayati vadeva. Tanno mano mohayati vadeva. Mantreshu in consultations. Mam unto me, vai as either. Hmm. Usually vai means more like indeed. Upahuya by calling. Yet as much as. Tum your lordship. Akuntita, without hesitation. Akanda, without being separated. Sada, eternally. Atma, self. Bodha, intelligent. Priche, Asked, Prabhu, O my Lord, Mugdha, bewildered, Iva, as if it were so, Apramatta, although never bewildered, Tat, that, Na, our, Mana, mind. Mohayati, bewilders. Eva, as it is so. Deva, O oh my Lord. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. 
Bhaktivedanta Swami, Śrīla Prabhupāda Ki Jai. Oh, my dear Lord, your eternal self is never divided by the influence of time, and there is no limitation to your perfect knowledge. Thus, you were sufficiently able to consult with yourself, yet you called upon me for consultation, as if bewildered, although you are never bewildered, and this act of yours bewilders me. Herford. Uddhava was never actually bewildered, but he says that all these contradictions appear to be bewildering. The whole discussion between Krishna and Uddhava was meant for the benefit of Maitreya, who was sitting nearby. The Lord used to call Uddhava for consultation when the city was attacked by Jarasandha and others and when he, the Lord, executed great sacrifices as part of his routine royal work as Lord of Dwaraka. The Lord has no past, present, and future because he is unhampered. He's not, he's not uh, obstructed by the influence of eternal time. And thus nothing is hidden from him. He is eternally self-intelligent. Therefore, his calling for Uddhava to give him enlightenment is certainly astonishing. All these actions of the Lord appear to me contradictory. Although there is no contradiction in the routine activities of the Lord. Therefore, it is better to see them as they are and not attempt to explain them. And so ends Prophet's purport to this verse. Seems like he's saying at the end here that I should not even speak at all. Let's just read and keep reading. <laughs> Mantre Shumamba. Upahuya yatvam akuntita kanda sadatma bodha pritche prabho mugda eva pramattas tanno mano mohayati vadeva. O my Lord, your eternal self is never divided by the influence of time, and there is no limitation to your perfect knowledge. Thus, you were sufficiently able to consult with yourself, yet you called upon me for consultation, as if bewildered, although you are never bewildered, and this act of yours bewilders me. Have you ever felt bewildered? Mostly, mostly bewildered. <laughs> How are you today? Bewildered. 
bewildered, confused. Yes, we come into this world in a very bewildered condition. Um, where else do we um, encounter this idea of the Lord's activities being bewildering? Uh, Shalva? Ah, okay, yes. And with regard to Mother Yashoda. And um, where do we find a prayer or prayers expressing this feeling of bewilderment? Yes. Arjuna is bewildered. Why is he bewildered? Ah, uh, yes. Yes, he's very bewildered. <laughs> yes, again, when he sees Krishna in his universal form, he's bewildered. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, what happened there? The Lord Krishna had just uh he had just um, done a, a quick operation on Shishupala. A very clean operation. And he had been careful to do it outside the arena of sacrifice so that the arena of sacrifice would not be spoiled by, by blood. So, but then what happened? Shishupal's atma, everyone present could see, went sailing through the, through the air and entered into... Lord Krishna's body. How would you like to see that happen? You'd like to see that? <laughs> How would you feel if you saw that happen? Bewildered. <laughs> yeah, you might feel bewildered because um, Shishapa, after insulting Krishna so many times, how many times? hundred times, yes. Somebody was there with his counter. Yeah. hundred times, simply insulting Krishna. And still, what does Krishna do? He takes, uh, he takes Shishupal into himself. He ex In this way, he accepts him. He's accepting. Despite all the rascaldom, he's accepting. And this was very bewildering to Yudhishthira. Speaking of Yudhishthir being bewildered, I'm sort of going today on um, free association. I'm just now reading the verse with you. Sometimes it's kind of fun to do that, um, to just no plan, no preparation. Let's just read and see what, it, uh, what associations come. Uh, so I'm thinking how Yudhishthir was bewildered 
This is not in the Bhagavad, maybe it's mentioned, but in the Mahabharata, uh, after everything is over and uh, Yudhishthir is, they've, the Pandavas have gone on the great journey of ending their lives and they, uh, in the Himalaya, one after another, they are dropping. And finally there is Yudhishthir. And Yudhishthir is accompanied by a dog. And when he comes to the top of the mountain, he meets Lord, Lord Indra, who invites him, please come up to Swarga. In one performance of this, which has been done uh, in a sort of modern style, uh, Peter Brook uh, did this uh, amazing performance, five, originally nine hours, and then by film, five, five and a half hours. So in this scene, uh, the, the way he represents going up to heaven is with a stepladder. <laughs> it's just an empty stage, and there's a stepladder. You know, a stepladder is like this. It's like... So Indra is saying, so now you can come up. And Yudhish, what does Yudhishthir say? I'll come, but only with my dog. Mm. And what does Indra say? No dogs allowed. Don't you see the sign? No dogs in Svargaloka. And Yudhishthir says, well, then I'm not coming. This dog has been accompanying me, has been showing my showing loyalty to me all this on this all of this journey. I can't just leave him here. So if no dogs allowed, then no Yudhishthir allowed. I'm not going. So there was some discussion back and forth, but in the end, Yudhishthir said, sorry, I'm, I'm staying here. And as soon as he said that, the dog transformed into the personality of Dharma. <laughs> and it was a demonstration that indeed Yudhishthir is Dharma himself, Dharma personified. Why? Because he uh, was understanding the deeper meaning of Dharma as having to do with loyalty. And therefore, he was honoring what appeared to be a dog. He was, he was honoring, indeed, uh, any being who was showing, in this case, the dog was showing dharma. Anyway, Yudhishthir was uh, very bewildered when he saw this. And actually, this is the beginning of the seventh canto. This is... Uh, the prompt uh, which leads to then Narada explaining the whole story of who is Shishupal, how Shishupal becomes Shishupal, Shishipalad, Lakshminasingadeva ki. Looks like we're going back to winter season. Hare <laughs> Krishna. Yeah, that's that's the beginning of Narada telling the whole story uh, of uh, the appearance of Nrsinghadev. It all started 
up in Vaikuntha. As we discussed, there was some trouble at the gate. So, um, where else do we uh, find this expression of bewilderment? Yes, clean Kunti is, is bewildered. How do you remember more specifically how she's bewildered? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. She has a few points of why it's bewildering. Mm. And we might say that uh, this is one of the themes of the whole Bhagavatam, especially first canto, but the whole Bhagavatam, is how the Lord is bewildering. And now we have Uddhava, who is a very, very, very close associate of Lord Krishna. Even he is expressing bewilderment. So what about us? As, I, as we just said, you know, you ask somebody, how are you today, bewildered? <laughs> yeah. And Krishna understands this situation, isn't it? He says in the Bhagavad Gita, Vedaham samatitani vartamanani charjuna bhavishani chabutani mam tu veda nakaschana. He says, I know, I, Krishna, I know, I know the past, I know the present, I know the future, but me, nobody knows. And sometimes he speaks more kind of strongly um, when he uses the word mudha, avajananti mang mudha manushim tanamashita, parambhava majananto mamabhuta maheshwaram, Mudha. Uh, the mudhas, often translated as fools, uh, are bewildered. Uh, avajananti, why they, they, um, they say in German, verspotten. They, they insult. In effect, they insult me. Why? Because manushim tanum, ashita. They're, they're. Th- they're seeing that I'm in a human form and they're thinking uh, he must be just another human. Uh, this word mudha can mean uh, diverted off of course. It's another meaning of mudha. Like a ship, you're going in, your sh- in, in a boat somewhere. If you get diverted off course, you go the wrong way. Uh, you lose. You don't get to where you want to go. So, uh, anyway, Krishna understands, and he is, we may say, Krishna is sad about this kind of bewilderment, conditions, holes. Namang duskritino mudha. How does it go? Namang duskritino mudha prapadyante naradama mayaya aparita aparita jnana asuram bhavam bhavam ashrita. Srila Prabhupada translates this verse as there are four types of persons who do not surrender to the Lord. 
it can also be read, um, the Sanskrit allows it to be understood as there is one type of person who doesn't surrender to the Lord. And he has this, he or she has these four characteristics of being foolish and being lower than the lowest and uh, having the intelligence stolen and being asuric and being, being demonic can also be read that way. In any case, we all have this problem of bewilderment and, and this kind of comes along with uh, the package of our constitutional position. We are all, what are we? We are tatasta shakti, isn't it? And what does tatasta mean? In the middle or on the margin, in between, betwixt and between. We are betwixt and between. We all have this, we, we have it, it's, it's our ontologically, it's what we are made of. It's what we are. We are betwixt and between. And this is our problem. <laughs> we are marginal. And, uh, and I find this interesting, and since we're, we're still, we can say, celebrating uh, the Nrsinghe festival, uh, there's a lot of betwixt and between going on in the pastime of Lord Nrsinghadev. Uh, the first betwixt and between is this situation where are Jaya and Vijaya? They are in Vaikuntha, yes, but they're not quite all the way there. They're on the threshold of Vaikuntha. And also, where does the great dramatic moment of the story happen? It happens on the terrace or on the uh, veranda of Indra's palace, which is not inside and it's not outside, right? Kind of somewhere in between. It's neither inside nor outside. And of course that was meant to be so because that was uh, the Lord's arrangement to slip through the conditions that Hiranyakashipu had made. And then there's another kind of interesting betwixt and between, and that's Nursingadev himself. He is neither human nor lion. If I remember correctly, that's how it's described uh, in the verse that uh, is describing his appearance. He is neither man nor lion. So in the sort of double negative, the understanding is he is both man and lion. But he is not man, he is not lion, he is God. So what is going on? So there's this uh, betwixt and between. We say it's kind of old English, betwixt. Uh, betwixt and between. And this leads me to reflect on how, because this discussion came up, it became something of a debate, almost a court case. Is Nursingadev 
uh, is he actually not such a bad guy after all, or is he totally and completely bad? And that became an issue, right? I was thinking, because Prabhupada would sometimes say that we can discuss Bhagavatam from all angles of vision. So, of course, we have this, we can say, radical contrast between uh, between Prahlad on the one side and Hiranyakashipu on the other. You can say there's all good and there's all evil. But what if, just for the sake of all angles of vision and just reflecting for some time, what if we consider Prahlad and, Nris, and, not Nrsinga, and Hiranyakashipu as representing different aspects of ourselves? that each one of us, in some sense, we have some prahlad tendency, and maybe not you, but me, I have some Hiranyakashipu tendency. And they're, they're both there. And there's, there's, there's a betwixt and a between. And uh, this is... This is our situation, we find ourselves, because we are tatasta, we are betwixt, and we are between. And so, all the time, we find uh, this. We may, f we may experience it even as sort of two voices in our mind. Should I do this, or should I do that? I, I'm, if I'm going to be prahlad today, then I'll act this way, but there's that Hiranyakashipu voice that says, no, we're going to be a little bit nasty today because, after all, you are Tatasta Shakti. So sorry. <laughs> so this uh, betwixt and between is there, and there's a conflict. And, however, what we learn from the story of Nrsingadev, it seems to me, Hiranyakashipu, very much like his brother, whom he's always lamenting about, Hiranyaksha has been killed by Varahadev, and uh, Hiranyakashipu is making this big theater, this big theater about how unjust it was that he, Hiranyaksha, was killed by Varahadev, and so on. The fact is that Hiranyaksha wanted to be killed. He, he was looking to meet his match, we say. Uh, he, he was going around the universe, isn't it? Searching for someone that he could have a good fight with. Why was he going around searching for someone to have a good fight with? Uh, at one point, he, he, he meets Varuna, isn't it? He meets Varuna and he says, come on, put up, get on your boxing gloves, let's go. <laughs> and Varuna says, no, I'm too old for this, please go, go, find Vishnu, he's a very good match. <laughs> because the demonic, the demon, the demonic mentality, the mentality that says, asatyam apratishtam te jagat as." Ahura Nishvaram, 
All that's described in the 16th chapter of Bhagavad Gita. Uh, asatyam, there is no truth. Apratishtam, there is no foundation. Uh, Jagadahur Anishvaram, there is no Lord. That tendency is there, but that tendency wants to be killed, it wants to be destroyed. We want Prahlad to win. We want Prahlad to prevail in us. And that's why we, we pray to Nisingadev to prevail over the Hiranyakashipu tendency that, that is there. This whole uh, discussion is going on uh, the chapter is called Vidura Approaches Maitreya, but Vidura is initially speaking with Uddhavan, and it, we're past uh, the several verses. Uh, first, of, um, I begin, it begins in chapter 2, this is Canto 3, chapter 2 goes through chapter 3 and uh, into chapter 4, that, that um, Uddhava is speaking to Vidura just after he has spoken with Krishna. Vidura has been on pilgrimage. Why has he been on pilgrimage? There was some trouble at home. He didn't feel welcome, so he said, okay, I'm out of here. And he took his staff and he, we say in English, he hit the road. And he wandered, and he wandered, and he wandered. And according to one um, person who studied uh, very extensively the Mahabharata, he was wandering for 30 years. And uh, that period included uh, the whole Mahabharata war. And it's after the war, of course, that Vidura uh, meets Uddhava, who has spoken with Krishna after the war, actually, again, from a similar source, uh, Krishna departs from the world 36 years after the Mahabharata war. So shortly before that time, Uddhava meets Krishna. And Krishna is saying, I'm getting ready to leave. And Uddhava is heartbroken. And then Krishna gives, uh, Krishna tells Uddhava, no, you cannot come with me. You have to stay here because you need to carry the teachings which I have come to give. We kind of tend to forget why it was that Krishna appeared. Yada, yada, he dharmas. He came to uh, re-establish dharma. And how does he do that? He speaks his main, there's two teachings. There's the teaching to Arjuna, uh, the um, Bhagavad Gita, and then there's the teaching to Uddhava, the Uddhava Gita. And the Uddhava Gita is longer than the Bhagavad Gita in the 11th canto. The, the Bhagavatam can be a bit confusing because here we are in the third canto and we're hearing how Uddhava has already seen Krishna and heard from him, but it's not until the 11th canto that we 
uh, read that we hear what Krishna is speaking to Uddhava. And it's already in the first canto that we're hearing that Krishna has already left. So what's going on? We might feel a little bewildered. <laughs> well, that bewilderment, we could say, is intentional. And why would it be intentional? Because it shakes up our normal understanding of what, how time works. Normally, we understand time working in a kind of sequential way, but the Bhagavatam <clears throat> shakes it up so that we understand Krishna's pastimes are beyond, they are beyond time. And that Srila Prabhupada is mentioning here in the purport. He says, the Lord has no past, no present, and future because he is unhampered, there's no obstacle, by the influence of eternal time and thus nothing is hidden from him. So Vidura is coming to meet Uddhava and Vidura is also in a betwixt and between situation. First of all, his identity. Who is, who is Uddhava's father? Hmm? Uh, did I say who is Uddhava's father? I meant to say who is Vidura's father. I'm sorry. Okay. Vyasa. Who is his mother? Yes, a maidservant. I don't know. Do we hear her name? In any case, that whole, how that all happened, uh, if you think about it, that's actually quite comic. It's kind of a funny event. <laughs> but... That's beside the point. The point is she was a maidservant, meaning she would be classified as Shudra, which, which meant Vidura was regarded as Kshatrabandhu, uh, not exactly a Kshatriya. And then if you go further back, uh, who were Vyasa's parents? Parasharamuni and... Satyavati, and who was Satyavati? A fish, a fisherwoman, right? <laughs> also, lower class. And that's another comic story. So, so that's Vyasa. So Vyasa is also betwixt and between. So the plot thickens. So now we have Vidura in this betwixt and between identity, and then he's sort of pushed out of his home. So he's, he's now an outsider. He's become an outsider. And as an outsider uh, who is wandering, he's wandering, he's, he has no home. He's become like a sannyasi. And the sannyasi is considered to have no home, and and the and, and 
and Vidura, Vidura of all of the brothers and all of these family members. It turns out, although Vidura is apparently this outs, uh, this this betwixt and between Shudra, not Shudra, Kshatriya, turns out he is the most noble of, uh, of the three brothers, uh, Dhritarashtra, Pandu, and Vidura. He's the most noble. He is the most exalted. And so in the Bhagavatam, from being out on the margin, being being an outsider, he comes into the center. He becomes a person to be worshipped, uh, to be listened to. And of course, Uddhava, Uddhava was very much in the center. He was right next to Krishna. He was so close to Krishna that Krishna would ask for his advice. Asking advice. And Uddhava is astonished by this why would he ask me for advice? He is the Supreme Lord. He knows everything. He knows best what to do. Why would he ask me for advice? I'm bewildered. <laughs> that is such a sweet bewilderment. <laughs> uh, that sense of wonder. The sense of wonder. Who is this Krishna? whom we are uh, connecting ourselves to you know, through bhakti, bhakti yoga. Who is this Krishna? And who am I? I'm so betwixt and between. Who am I? And who are you? Who are all of us? <laughs> in this way, we find ourselves in a very strange world. What are we doing in this world? Isn't it? What am I doing here? That's the feeling a devotee has. We wake up in the morning. Who, who am I? What am I doing here? Oh yes, I have to. I need to get to where I know what I'm doing. Let me, let me, let me do what I know I should do. <laughs> let me hear. Let me chant. Let me remember about that wonderful Lord, who. His bewild the bewilderment that we experience of of how is, who is Krishna and how it is that Krishna's act that's a wonderful bewilderment that kind of bewilderment we want. So in the purport, Prabhupada says, therefore, his Krishna's calling for Uddhava to give him enlightenment is certainly astonishing. All these actions of the Lord appear to be contradictory. Although there is no contradiction in the routine activities of the Lord. Uh, and then he concludes, therefore, it is better to see them as they are and not attempt to explain them. Not attempt to explain them? Here I would say, not attempt to explain them away. You know this expression? You can explain something or you can explain it away. Explain something away is to sort of deny, deny its existence. Don't try to explain away Krishna's uh, transcendental 
the reality that is Krishna. Don't try to reduce Krishna. That's that's the idea. We don't want to re- the the materialistic understanding is reduce, reduce, reduce the complexity of life to some simple explanation. Uh, but what is that simple explanation for the materialist? It boils down to the description of the demon in chapter 16, Bhagavad Gita. Asatyam apratishtam te jagadahura nishvaram. That's their simplification, explaining away. So, we don't want to go there. We want to uh, go to the wonder of Krishna and we want to invite. We want to invite people uh, into this wonder that is Krishna. Isn't it? That's what our preaching is about. Um, recently I have been in China and I'm sometimes giving lectures at universities uh, on different topics, all sorts of topics that have something to do, sometimes rather tenden- tangentially, rather on the margin, uh, because one has to be extremely careful uh, in China because of the uh, political situation there. And just in the in the last year or so, the central government has made strong uh, orders to the universities not to allow religion into the classroom. So um, we meet professors who are very nice, they're very friendly, and they they say, please, be careful, no religion, because they know I'm, they know something about my background, uh, maybe, and they say, please, we want you to speak, but please, no religion, okay. Uh, so, for example, I, I gave one lecture in one university on Ramayana. Not one word about religion. But I spoke a lot about Dharma. And Dharma was no problem to speak about. So that was, that was fun. Um, on another occasion, I was invited to speak uh, in <laughs> uh, one brand new university, big university that's just popped up uh, outside Beijing, the uh, Beijing University of Chemical Technology. Right, and they said, please speak to the students about Mm, how to be better students and how to live life and avoid stress and things like that. Hmm, okay. So I spoke to them on the subject uh, of yoga as positive psychology. And uh, it went very well, I must say, because um, after the after the class, several there were many questions, and several students came up after the class. They wanted to know more. <laughs> and here came the difficult part, because I had to again be careful. What to say? Well, you want to know more? 
come with me. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this sort of thing we have to do. What I wanted to say is that Krishna conscious, pre, what we call preaching, is is we're really we want to invite people to approach Krishna, and for this we need to be. Uh, creative. I think we need to use all our creativity. We each of us have so much uh, capacity to, to, uh, to, to connect with others. If we just think, how can we attract someone to Krishna? Prabhupada gave the basic formula. Uh, he gave us his books, he gave us prasadam, he gave us the whole process. And he said, you are intelligent, you figure out how to bring others to Krishna consciousness. Use your brain, he said. Sometimes he would say, use your brain uh, for attracting. So that's what we need to do. We have to shake up our brain. And the Bhagavatam is helping us, it's for that purpose. It's to shake us up and really, uh, first of all, get ourselves a little bit bewildered, <laughs> get a little bit uncertain, and then uh, we can uh, appreciate how wonderful is Krishna and help others to come toward Krishna. Uh, at this point, I want to make uh, a little announcement. Um, Madhaji Vrinda Devi, who is here, has just informed me. Um, you may or may not know, but uh, my god brother, Nick Ilananda Prabhu, has been here over the last few days. We haven't seen him the last two or three days uh, because he's in bed because of his very serious condition. Uh, and so, I think it really uh, is for us to be praying very, very uh, intensely to Nrsinghadev. He has come here to be with Nrsinghadev. He himself is uh, speaking in such a way as if uh, this may be coming to the end of his, uh, of this life. And Nikhilananda Prabhu has done so much service over the years. Many devotees are not aware, but uh, especially in earlier years, he was one of the um, one, of, one of the great adventurers of our movement, spreading Krishna consciousness, not just in Germany, but in many other countries, uh, risking his life sometimes in Lebanon. So please, uh, everyone today, if you can offer a prayer to Nrsinghadev for Nikhilananda Prabhu. Hare Krishna. So I'll end there. And if there's a comment, a brief comment or question, I'll say yes. Mm-hmm.
<laughs> yeah. Yes. This is part of the bewilderment of the, I would say, a kind of intentional bewilderment of the Bhagavatam. Uh, we try to get this sequence. It, it doesn't seem to all fit together, all the pieces of the puzzle. And the point is, the Bhagavatam is not uh, subjected to time. The Bhagavatam is itself beyond time and it doesn't have it has apparent beginnings but each of those beginnings is just another reappearance of the Bhagavatam and so we get in the second canto we get an appearance of the Bhagavatam in the, in four verses or according to some commentary it's actually seven verses uh, we get the appearance of the Bhagavatam to uh, the four Kumaras, or by the four, yeah, to the four Kumaras, uh, and of course to Maharaj Prikshit. There's a seeming sequence, and yet, hmm, how does this all fit together? As you said, Balaram is on Parikrama. It's during the war. Was it during the war? Was it after the war? How long, you know, it gets complicated. Uh, but don't worry, <laughs> because the main point is the Bhagavatam is always there, and it's manifesting uh, as we read it. You can also appreciate it this way. As we sit and read, the Bhagavatam is manifesting. I like to refer to, I've done this frequently recently, to Prabhupada's comment in 1968 or 69 in Los Angeles uh, to someone who was asking Prabhupada, so what about Joan of Arc? Joan of Arc? What about Joan of Arc? Um, she asked him, do you know who is Joan of Arc? Prabhupada, yes, I know who is Joan of Arc. Joan of Arc was a, a 15th or 14th century um, warrior saintess, a, a woman in France, and she kind of fought for France, and then she was, um, um, she was killed, uh, she was martyred um, by the English. And it's a whole story, and Prabhupada says, and she asks, so what about, <laughs> what about her? And Prabhupada's answer was basically, Anyone who has something to do with God, that is Bhagavatam. So he was, in effect, extending the understanding of what is Bhagavatam beyond the pages uh, as we have it. That the Bhagavatam is the, the, it is the beautiful story of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and that story is ongoing as we speak, <laughs> right? And we get a sense of that, especially with Chaitanya Charitamrita. You can say it's an extension of Bhagavatam. 
and simultaneously it's about the wonderful Bhagavata, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and how he becomes overwhelmed in ecstasy hearing Bhagavatam. It's the story of how uh, the best of readers, of hearers of Bhagavatam, is affected by reading Bhagavatam. To inspire us to do what? Read Bhagavatam. Yes. could have been out preaching for seven lives. Yeah. That's an interesting point. Okay. You'd have to probably ask Jai and Vijay. I mean, the, un the understanding we have is they were, because of their devotion to the Lord, they were anxious to be back with him. They didn't want to suffer the feeling of separation that they would have had to suffer as devotees. It would have been too painful for them because they had been with the Lord directly. And they had, we could suppose, they had something of that ecstasy that the four Kumaras had when they met uh, the Lord. When the Lord came out, uh, what happened? How does that verse go? Tasyaravinda nayanasya padaravinda kinjalta mishra tulasi makaranda vayu. Manantanoti Sahago. No, that's another verse. Huh? Chakaratesham Sankshobam Aksharajusham Apichitatanvo Sankshobam. They became, whoa! <laughs> they became overwhelmed uh, just by smelling, just by. The, the aroma of the Tulsi from the Lord's feet going through the passages of their nostrils. Uh, the whole story is about going through passages and then they want to go into Vaikuntha and then the aroma of the Tulsi of the lotus feet of Vishnu enters into the passageway uh, of, their, of their nostrils and then even though they were impersonalists. So uh, Jai and Vijay must have had something of that feeling and therefore they were so anxious to get back. Um, now we can imagine other scenarios, as you said. They might have decided, okay, let's go preaching. 
seven lives. Let's go on Sankirtan. And that's what Lord Chaitanya decided. Let's go on Sankirtan. <laughs> or we might, we might imagine the four Kamaras preaching to them uh, that, you know, you, sh you should go on Sankirtan. <laughs> but that's not how it's described. Perhaps in a different universe, <laughs> they go out for seven lives. Who's to say? So yeah, that's also bewildering. Uh, but you brought up, uh, I was taking the position that, as you said, that uh, in, in some sense, Hiranikashipu is not all bad. What I wanted to do uh, in our debate, we didn't get the time, but I wanted to call a witness. I was going to call as a witness Prahlad. Let's see what Prahlad says. Prahlad did not consider uh, Hiranikashipu to be simply evil. Did he? Therefore he was praying, praying for him, for his, for his well-being. But simultaneously we can say, yes, he was totally evil, absolutely evil, therefore he had to be killed. And that was... You know, then you could, then probably Kadamakanan Maharaj would have called Nrsingadev as a witness. <laughs> I think this could be an interesting drama. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking to write this up as a, as a drama. I don't know if I'll get around to it. But let's see. <laughs> Okay, let's end there. Thank you all so much. Srila Prabhupada ki, Grantaraj Srimad Bhagavatam ki, Gaur Premanande.